your spiritual barriers. Here we go. So tangible barriers are things that we can physically change about the church that we can, you know, you know, do location, service time, um, child care, worship style, speaking style, those types of things. Um, and then you have your spiritual barriers, which are, these are issues of the heart. These are issues of people within the church that um, only God can change. And, you know, judgmentalism, attitude, exclusivism, pride, those types of things. Um, and so today, we're going to talk about some of the, one of the spiritual ones. Um, so I have this diagram here I want to show you guys. Um, so anytime you have vision in the church, if you have a big vision, you have a big dream in the church, and your church is working to fulfill that vision, is working towards it, a result of that is going to be growth. We're going to have growth within the church. The church is going to grow. And a, and a direct result of that is new believers, um, new members in the church. New people are going to be coming in. Um, and it's going to get weird. It gets weird when you have a bunch of new people coming in, um, people from all kinds of different backgrounds, people that you know have no idea of what church is, have no experience with church. And so it can get awkward sometimes, you know, when you have people coming in doing weird stuff and um, that's just part of it. So there's two types of growth um, in the church. There's non-organic growth. So non-organic growth, you know, that comes by like marketing. That's usually with uh, people that are already believers but that are unchurched. Yeah, through flyers, Facebook, personal limitation, usually unchurched believers. And then there's organic growth. So organic growth, um, this is... Yeah, here's organic growth. So this is the cycle. So you have active evangelism... Uh, your church is actively evangelizing unbelievers, the lost people. Um, and from that, you have new believers. The new believers come into the church. They get discipled. They become strong believers. And then those strong believers then start actively evangelizing other unbelievers. That's the goal. That's the cycle that we want for growth. And so because of that, you have these new believers that are coming into the church. Um, people that don't know, you know, they don't know how to act in church. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's right, what's wrong yet because they're new believers. So that's the cycle, but that's organic growth, and that's what we really want in the church um, is what you want to strive for is organic growth rather than that non-organic growth. Um, go to the next slide, please. So the barrier we're going to talk about today is being judgmental. Um, this is one of the barriers. I know in the bulletin it says there's two, but when I started writing the message, it kind of just turned into one, so we're going to stick with that one. Um, so being judgmental. Um, according to a lot of surveys, there's a couple surveys I read online did you know that 90% of people think that Christians are judgmental? Yeah. A lot of people think that we're just a bunch of judgmental people sitting up in here being like, you peasants, you don't even know what you're doing, you know? We're just sitting up in here being judgmental, thinking everybody's wrong, especially with these issues that are going on in the news now. Uh, you know, homosexuality, abortion, all those things. They think that that's all we care about, and that's what we're, all we're doing is judging those people living in those lifestyles. Um. Something to think about is that it takes one negative, one negative experience to turn someone away from Christ. You know, if somebody comes in here and they get judged and they get turned off because they were hurt by somebody who judged them, that's all it takes to turn them away from Christ, that one experience. Um, a new believer who's coming up in here and, you know, if they get judged, they'll be confused because they've been told that God is love, but then they're also being judged by those people that say that they love God. Um, that's confusing. So that's why judgment, being judgmental, is a barrier. So why do we judge? I mean, why do we as humans, as Christians, why do we judge people? Or why are we so judging sometimes? You know, I have a problem with this. I mean, I'm, sometimes I'll just be walking down the street or sitting in a cafe somewhere listening to somebody talk, 
And I'm thinking, what an idiot. What is he even talking about? You know, it's just natural. Like, we just have this tendency to be like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with this person, you know? But I think the two reason, root reasons, I think, that we have or why we judge, and it's our sin nature, really, is what it comes down to. It's just our human nature to want to be better than other people. But self-righteousness and pride, you know, self-righteousness in that you're always correct, um, that you're the only one with the answers, you know, especially when, when it comes to, like, teaching the truth, um, you know, telling people that they're wrong, that they're living in sin, but just focusing only on that. Um, and pride, and wanting to be better than other people, wanting to seem like your life is so much better than everyone else's lives. You know, people that go out and just buy name brand stuff because they want to look better than everybody else or want to be better than other people. I think that's the two root causes of why we can be judgmental, self-righteousness and pride. You know, think about these reality TV shows. Why do people like them so much? Like, like the, what's that one, Hoarders, like where these people have like these crazy amount of stuff in their house and they won't throw anything away. I mean, we watch those shows, we like those because we think, man, I'm so glad I'm not like that. I would never be like that. Or, you know, you watch these shows like Survivor and stuff, and you see people make stupid decisions, and you're like, come on, I could have done better than that, you know? We're just judging them, and that's why they sell. They're so popular, because people like to judge other people. So that's why, why do we judge? So how do we judge? Or what are some ways um, in the church, within the church that we judge people? Um, the first one I have here that I thought of, I think this is the most basic one, is appearance. You know, we judge people on their clothes, their hairstyle, what jewelry they have on, makeup, what vehicle they drive, the cell phone that they have. I judge people with iPhones. Come on. I'm an Android guy. But that's just me. But in clothes, you know, people come in here, um, not necessarily here, but I've seen people that judge people based on, you know, what kind of, what kind of bag they have. Oh, is that a Chanel? Is that a, what's another bag? Is that a Prada? You know, I don't know any bags, but we can be judgmental sometimes based on appearance. You know, it's very self-explanatory, appearance. Um, something that I, I always think about appearance, like in the church. Mom, don't be offended, but mom used to tell me when I was growing up, come to church, always wear your best, always wear your Sunday best. Um, I mean, that's, I think that's a good thing because it's for God, it's for God or whatever. But the problem is if you have unbelievers and non-believers coming into the church and everybody's wearing a suit and tie, and they've never been to church. They have no idea what is expected of them. And they come in here, they feel OP. What, what's OP? Joy, what's OP? Out of place. How did you know that? It's a Filipino slang term. They always say, I'm OP. Yeah, I'm out of place. And you don't want people to feel out of place in the church when they come here. That's what we talked about last time was that seeker-friendly church. We want people to feel welcome. And so we have to be careful that we aren't judging on appearance. So 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, the Lord does not look at the things uh, people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And John 7, 24 continues, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so before you judge on appearance, you know, something we have to think about when we have these people come in our church, think about their past. We don't know their past. We don't know their history. You know, if somebody's dressed in, like, nasty clothes or, you know, maybe they're just a painter. Maybe they paint and they came from work, you know. Um, if somebody has a bunch of tattoos, maybe they were unsaved at one time and were in a gang. And they're saved now. We shouldn't be worried about their appearance. We shouldn't be concerned. You know, if somebody smells bad, maybe they don't have running water. Maybe they need to be helped out with that. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of weird-looking people 
that are Christians, and very strong Christians, especially in the Philippines. I've seen guys with 12 toes. I mean, that's weird. I'll tell you, there, okay, so here's the story. So we were, we were doing an invitation one day, and uh, I was standing at the front praying, and uh, Pastor Greg, another pastor, was up there with me, and he started pointing while I'm praying, pointing at this guy's toes, and I'm like looking over, and I'm like, what's, what? There's 12 toes, yeah. So anyway, that was just a funny story. That guy got saved, but he's still a good Christian in our church, but he has 12 toes, so there's a lot of weird people. We shouldn't judge people based on how many toes they have. So we judge people on appearance. That's one way we judge people. We judge people on their behavior, you know, within church. Being loud in church, you know, acting inappropriately during worship, you know, in some places speaking in tongues, especially when it's not done correctly out of context. Interrupting the speaker. Guys, no interrupting. Um, Letting their kids just run around wild in the church, you know, or yelling at your kids in church. People, you know, complain about that. You know, taking two communion cups, you know, double fisting. Is this real wine, guys? You know, we can judge on behavior, you know, but the person that's never gone to church, a new believer, you know, they don't, they don't know those things, and those types of things should be addressed within discipleship, within the context of discipleship. So as a new believer is growing and learning, they should learn these things from their discipler, um, or just by going to them in a one-on-one uh, setting, and not calling them out, and not judging them in front of everybody. You know, obviously there's a distinction that has to be made between the believer um, and a, long, a new believer and a long-term believer. If it's a new believer and they're still acting like an unbeliever, then you should cut them some slack. Titus 3, 2-7 says this, Speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions, passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what he's talking about there is that we, we used to be like that too. You know, we got saved, God saved us, and has helped us grow to this point where we're strong Christians, and we don't behave like an unbeliever anymore, hopefully. And so a new believer in the church, you have to cut them some slack. They don't know how to act yet. They haven't been discipled. Um, They haven't learned those things and learned how to trust wholly on God. I mean, obviously they're going to change eventually because of the Holy Spirit, because they're saved, but you have to give them some slack and give them some time. Obviously, if it's somebody who's been saved for a long time and they're still acting like an unbeliever, that's another issue, and that's, you know, something we'll talk about later. Um, but with behavior, you know, consider for a second why people act the way they do. You know, people can have trauma in their lives before, and that's caused them to act a certain way. People could grow up without a father figure in their life. They don't have any discipline in their life, and so they never knew how to be disciplined or how to, how to behave. Um, that type of thing. You know, they could have a number of things. There's different reasons people act the way that they do. And uh, we have to be accepting of that rather than judging um, and work with them through the Spirit and work through them through discipleship to help them overcome those behaviors. Another way we judge people in the church is judging people on their liberties. Liberties are things that are, you know, in the Bible, not necessarily right or wrong in the Bible, um, not necessarily given directly, but that Christians uh, living under grace have the ability to indulge in or not indulge in uh, 
depending on how they feel led by the Holy Spirit. Some of those things are, you know, tattoos, and John, Pastor John's talked about these, tattoos, piercings, alcohol, going to the movies. You know, I've had some churches that say, you can't go to the movies, that's satanic, don't go there. Bible version, you know, different holidays that we celebrate that might necessarily be, might not be, you know, Christian holidays. Um, we can judge people on those things that they indulge in. But Romans 14 says this, Romans 14, 1 through 4. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Those things in the Bible that we consider liberties or kind of gray areas, it's between that person and God what they want to do. And we shouldn't judge them for that just because that's what they choose to indulge in. Now there is one caveat to that. There is one thing that Christians should be concerned with how their liberties affect other Christians and unbelievers, new believers. Um, yeah. And that, that passage actually continues, Romans 14, 20 and 21. At the end, it says, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who, is not, who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin." You know, if you, if you partake in certain liberties, um, like John was talking about a couple weeks ago, like you have a beer, and you tell somebody else that they should do it. I mean, the problem with that is, if they don't feel comfortable with that, and if they feel guilty about it, then it's sin to them. That's become sin, and you've helped somebody sin. So you need to be careful with your liberties. Um, and at the same time, we also need to make sure that we aren't judging people for the liberties that they choose to indulge in. Sometimes we judge other people's motives, especially new people that come to the church. Um, you know, we just say, oh, they're looking for a handout. They just want the attention. You know, they want to feel good about themselves. That's why they're here. You know, in the Philippines, I have to deal with this a lot because we always have scam artists all the time, people that just want to come to the church to rob it, find a way to get money out of them, steal stuff. That happens. I know that probably doesn't happen very much here, but <laughs> it's something we had to deal with a lot in the Philippines, and you had to be careful of that. And so we found, I found myself, you know, judging people. You know, why is this person in this church? Why does he really want to be here? Are they here to steal from us, or are they here to actually learn about God's Word, you know? Um, and the truth is, we can't know someone's motives. Only God can. Jeremiah 17.10 says this, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. We can't know someone's motives, and we shouldn't judge them on their motives. And there's also this thing I put in here. It's called, no, I told you so's. So if Jeremy sees somebody coming to the church and he says, that person is just here for a handout, they're not really committed to the church. And it turns out that that person really was just here for a handout. He shouldn't go around being like, I told you so. <laughs> right here. I wasn't being judgmental. I have reasonable discerning ability, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. That's, I mean, because in the first place, Jeremy was in the wrong for even judging that person to begin with. Really, he should have just been loving on that person uh, and trying to help them come to know Christ or trying to help them grow in Christ regardless of what their motives were. Um, and so that's even more wrong than to be like, ah, I told you so. 
Um, I mean, the other side of that, of course, is use common sense. Don't give new believers in the church the password to the computer or give them the alarm code or give them keys to the church, that type of thing. Of course, we have to have accountability and oversight within the church. Um, but don't judge motives. That's the, the point there. So these are some ways that we can judge people you know, within the church, new believers and unbelievers in the church. So how do we overcome that? I mean, how do we overcome being that judgmental person? Because, I mean, it's just our nature to want to do those things. Um, first of all, you have to realize that you're saved by grace. You are nothing without grace. If it was not for God and the salvation that he has given you, then you're just as worthless as those people that were coming in here. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 uh, says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no man may boast. It's by grace. It's nothing you did. You have no right to judge anybody else. Follow Jesus' example. Um, God spent time with sinners. I really like reading the New Testament because I feel like Jesus was so hardcore, man. Like if you read through the Bible, he was just so hardcore when he dealt with these Pharisees and when he argued with them. Um, and so we follow his example of how he dealt with sinners. So Luke 15, 1 through 3, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so then Jesus told them this parable. Something that I want you to see there is that all these sinners are gathering around Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with sinners, no problem. He's inviting them to eat with him. But then he always starts with every verse. If you go through the New Testament, it talks about how he started teaching. Then he taught this parable. Then he started explaining them. Then he started reasoning. He's always giving them something. He's always teaching them truth um, rather than judging them. So that's something that we have to remember. We have to always be teaching truth. We have to always be pouring truth into these people without being judgmental. That's what Jesus did. He never told them, you know, get away from me. You guys are sinners. I don't even want anything to do with you. You're terrible people. No, he invited all these people to come hang out with him so that he could teach them and show them the love of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to follow his example. Um, if you struggle with judgmentalism, if you struggle with being judgmental, then you need to mature spiritually. Mature spiritually. Um, I think sometimes just being spiritually mature is you just don't have that quality of relationship. You just don't have that... that depth of a relationship with God to be able to handle those types of things. Or maybe it's sometimes there's people that are stuck in traditionalism and legalism. Some people that uh, they might not even realize that it's holding them back. You know, people that just want to harp on somebody and preach and preach and tell them, you're wrong, you're wrong, this is wrong, this is why you're in sin, you're living in sin. But then they forget the other side of it. They forget the love side of it. They forget the compassion. And that's being legalistic. And some people get stuck in that in that you know, in that culture, they grew up in that culture, and they've lived it for years, and they don't even know or don't even realize that they're struggling with that. Um, we had a pastor in the Philippines join our church. Well, he didn't really join us. So what happened was his church was, di was dying, and he saw that our church was growing. And so he came, and he wanted to learn, what are you guys doing? How is this happening? You know, what is going on? I want to learn from you guys. And he was a very legalistic pastor. His church was very legalistic, very strict. And that's why it wasn't growing. And so he came into our church and he studied with us for like six months to learn how we were doing things so that he could take it back to his church uh, and help them grow. And so we let him speak one day and uh, just so he could, you know, get that experience and we could coach him through his speaking. 
And, you know, there's, this is a youth service. And so these kids, you know, the kids in the Philippines are ridiculous. I mean, they just, a lot of them just need attention and stuff. And so this one kid was really being just a, just a butthead. And he was just causing all kinds of problems. And uh, at one point, he was, like, yelling at the pastor and started cussing at him. And so the pastor freaked out on him, ran off the stage, came down there, you know, and started just tearing him apart. And that kid, because of that, was so embarrassed and so put off, you know, he got up and left and then never came back. And, you know, who knows what happened to him. Um, And so that was the wrong response. That was the legalistic response. That was the response of all judgment, all truth, with zero love. Um, I mean, the correct thing would have been to take him aside, pull him out of church afterwards maybe, or if he's disturbing the service, have one of the other pastors go get him. And, you know, just ask him what's going on with his life. I mean, the truth is he probably didn't have a dad. He probably didn't have... Most of the kids in the Philippines come from broken families. Um, And so the truth is he probably just needed some love. He just probably needed somebody, you know, to tell him that God loves him. So... Mature spiritually. Maybe you need to overcome that bond of legalism. If you're struggling with judgmentalism, then ask for God's help. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, you give, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask God for help, and he'll help you with it. He'll help you overcome that, that barrier uh, of being judgmental. So I want to read this next verse. So Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In John seven twenty four, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. So the Bible tells us that we should judge people. But you said that we shouldn't judge people. Yeah, there's different two different kinds of judgment. You know, God says here, but judge with right judgment. The Bible says to judge, but to not judge hypocritically. There are times that we need to use judgment in our Christian lives and within the church to do what God has told us to do. So there are times when it is okay to judge, um, just not hypocritically. So judging unbelievers, this first one here, it has to be a balance between truth and love. We have to tell unbelievers that they are living in sin. We have to tell them that what they're doing is sin, that they need God, and that is the judgment. But at the same time, that's the truth. But at the same time, we have to show them love, on the other hand, and tell them that God does love them and that there is a way out of it, um, it's this, this concept, um, embracing truth without holding grace, love, intention, leads to harsh legalism. So if you have all truth, you have legalism. And just as grace, without truth, you have what compromise. So if you have all love, you have these churches that are all love, don't ever talk about truth. Don't ever condemn someone or ever tell anyone that they're a sinner. Then you have, you know, Jesus loves you. You have these churches that are just emotional baloney, you know, just nonsense. These churches that are just there to make people feel good and to never challenge them and never to actually make them think that they actually need a savior. I mean, why would you want to do that, you know? But that was me being sarcastic. Just kidding. 
So it's a balance between truth and love when we judge unbelievers. You know, how do you determine if someone is an unbeliever? I mean, really, other than their behavior, you really can't know. God's the only one who knows that. If somebody says that, you know, that they're not, they, somebody says that they're a believer, you have to take them at that word, and then you should judge them as a Christian rather than judging them as an unbeliever. Um, so when I was in, was, when was this? It was about a month ago. I went down to Wichita to help my brother do an evangelistic event um, in his apartment complex. We did a cookout, and we had a bunch of people come out. And uh, this one lady, she found out we were from a church, and she started telling me all these stories. And uh, one of the stories she told me, she's like, I used to live in Chicago, and you know, God spoke to me. He told me to cut up a bowl of fruit. So I cut up three bowls of fruit, and he said, just go walk around the streets, you know. And so I started walking, and uh, I saw a light shining down in the distance, and so I walked for eight miles to go there, and I just found this leader of the gang was there, and so I gave him this fruit, and he was happy that he got the fruit, and then because of that, he came to church. And so she had this huge story, and I found myself being judgmental because I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Really? Fruit in Chicago? Like, come on, pizza? Maybe, but... <laughs> But I just found myself being so judgmental of her and thinking, this chick doesn't have any idea what it means to be a Christian. This is a bunch of baloney. And, you know, I, I was convicted afterwards thinking to myself, you know, what if? I mean, God's capable of doing something like that. I shouldn't limit that. You know, I shouldn't have judged her um, that she wasn't a believer, you know. I should have been instead, you know, happy that God was using her instead. So... We have to judge unbelievers in that way. Determining if someone is an unbeliever, we can't really do that. Um, but we should have truth, and we should have love. Uh, judging believers. This is another way that we are supposed to judge. Um, Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So there's four things that I really want to pull out of this verse that are about judging believers. So we are to correct and judge believers living in sin. So if you see someone in the church and you know that they're living in sin, you have to have evidence of that, clear evidence. You must have caught them doing whatever, um, double dip in the chips, you know, whatever. Correct them. You have to judge them in that they have sinned. You can't just let it slide. So we are called to judge other believers that are living in sin. The sin must be clear and evidence-based not based on rumors, not just assumed because you think they probably did that. Um, you must also be, you can't be living in sin. You can't be living in sin as well. If you want to call somebody out um, for something that you see them, you know, it says here, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Make sure that you're not living in sin also. And there has to be this emphasis on restoration. When you judge somebody, another fellow believer that's living in sin, the emphasis should be on restoration, not judging them to make them feel bad, not judging them to make yourself feel better, uh, not judging them to make them want to leave the church because you don't want that crap in here. No, it should be on restoration. That should be the focus, on restoring that Christian um, back to God. So that's how we can judge believers. That's one way that the Bible says we are supposed to judge. We're also supposed to judge ourselves. Uh, Matthew 7, 5 says this, First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I mean, you can't judge somebody else if you haven't judged yourself. 
if you don't know that your life is clean, that your life is free of sin, then how can you see uh, to see if other, other people's lives are in sin? So examine your walk is another thing you have to do. Examine your walk. 2 Corinthians 13, 5-6. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. We're called to test ourselves. You know, the Bible also says you will know them by their fruits. Think about your life. Think about the fruits that you have borne, you know, spiritual fruit. What are things that you have done recently that you would consider spiritual fruit? We should always be evaluating ourselves and making sure that, you know, we are doing what God has called us to do. Because if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're going to see that fruit. We're going to see that fruit being yielded. Uh, Judge your motives. You know, in everything we do, we have to make sure that we're doing it for God's glory and not for our own glory. Proverbs 16.2 says this, All a person's ways seem pure to him, to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. You know, we might be doing something and we think it's for the, for the Lord, but then when you really pray about it, when you really think about it and evaluate it, it turns out it's just, just for you, just for something that you want. So, these are the ways that God calls us to actually do judge. So, there's four things here that I want you guys to take away from today. Um, don't judge. You got that, Bart? Yep. All right. Don't judge new believers on appearance or behavior or silly things. Take time to work with them and disciple them. Use each moment as a teaching moment, speaking the truth in love. Do judge unbelievers in telling them that they are sinners, but don't forget the love and don't forget that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. Remember, you are nothing without God's grace. Next. Do judge and restore Christians living in sin. That's a sign of a healthy church. If you, because everybody sins, guys. There's going to be times when people sin in our church, and that's just part of life. That's just part of the sanctification process. That's the sign of a healthy church, though, is a church that judges those sins and then restores that Christian. Do judge yourself and make sure that you're living righteously and in truth. You you have to always make sure that you are living right and that you're judging yourself and making sure that you're on the right path. You know, when your church is accomplishing a big vision, when this church is growing and accomplishing the vision that um, John and God is going to be laying out over the next couple weeks, um, there's going to be a lot of new believers. There's going to be a lot of people that we're going to become in contact with that are unbelievers, uh, especially out, you know, in Topeka. This is Topeka, guys. A lot of weird people in Topeka. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the truth is we will. We'll be meeting a lot of different people and we have to watch ourselves. We have to make sure that we never become that judgmental person. Um, something I want to say, though, is that this church, I feel like, has never been judgmental. You know, I stand up here all the time with earrings. I got tattoos. I'm a little rough around the edges. I know that. Um, you know, stuff like that I've been judged for in other churches. You know, I have an interracial marriage. In other churches, I've been judged for that. But this church has never, never judged me. And so for that, I'm thankful. And I think that the church is going to grow. Um, I just really think that God is on the cusp of doing something big in this church. And so when I was reading this, when I was doing this message, I wasn't thinking of it as, uh, this is something that needs to be addressed in the church. I was thinking, this is something that we need to be careful of, that we need to be wary of, because the church is going to grow. 
Um, we're going to see new people coming in. We're going to see big things happen as God accomplishes his vision here. And so we need to be ready for that. I encourage everybody to check your hearts. Prepare yourselves for this wave of new believers. Make sure that you have rid yourself of the wrong kind of judgment. And check your spiritual maturity. Make sure that you are ready for the things that God is going to do. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we just thank you for this day, Lord.